0: Open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 9 again, page 917 in the blue Bible in front of you. The story picks up this week shortly after where we ended last week uh, with the conversion of Saul. I'm going to begin reading in the second half of verse 19. You follow along as I read out loud. Luke records, For some days, Saul was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard Saul were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the high priests, or the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill Saul. But their plot became known to him. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took Saul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord and had who had spoke to him, and how at Damascus... He had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Saul went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenist, but they were seeking to kill him. And when his brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. May the Lord richly add to the reading of his word. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. Last week we saw how Saul was confronted by Jesus on the road on his way to Damascus a significant portion of the rest of the book of Acts will be about the life of Saul on his missionary journeys that he took. Today we see what happens shortly after his conversion. Now don't forget this guy Saul later becomes the guy that named Paul that writes like one quarter of the Bible. A lot of the New Testament. So if you hear me calling Paul or Saul, it's the same guy. Don't worry about it. Alright? The first thing, though, that we see about Saul after his conversion is we see him preaching Jesus among the Jews. Look at verse 20. Immediately, Saul proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. Now this is shortly... After he has become a Christian himself. He's a new Christian and yet we already see him in public places speaking for Jesus, telling others about Christ. He didn't go off to school. He didn't become educated in what it means to be a witness for Christ. He just started witnessing. He began immediately telling others what Jesus had done in his life and that Jesus was actually the Son of God. How he had met Jesus on the road and this Jesus that has been killed has been resurrected. How many of us here today though continue to hide behind the excuse I can't witness for Jesus because I don't know enough. Here's Saul, a new Christian, and he's already out there witnessing for Jesus. How was Saul able to go out and immediately begin to tell others about Jesus, but some of us who've been in the church for decades still feel unqualified to tell others about Christ? Could it be that we're hiding behind an excuse because we don't want to do it? Not because we can't but because we're afraid. Saul goes out and immediately begins to tell others about Christ. What does this witnessing show us? What does his testimony about Christ tell us about him and what's happened in his life? Well, in verse 28, we're told that he was going out witnessing, but not just that he was witnessing, but he was witnessing boldly. And that word boldly is important because in the book of Acts, that's a key word. Remember? Jesus said in chapter 1, you will receive power. That boldness comes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so what we see as Saul is going out witnessing, we see that he has the same Holy Spirit that the disciples had. What has happened to him is not different from what's happened to the other people. It's a different experience in how it happened. But what has happened in him being filled with the Holy Spirit is the same thing. The same spirit that the disciples have, he now has as he goes out witnessing. But this witnessing also shows us that this man has been changed. He is not the same man that he was before. And this witnessing bears proof to the change that has taken place in his life. Because this Saul had been trying to stop the spread of Christianity. This is the one who was trying to arrest people for preaching about Christ. Did you notice in the text, as people started seeing him when he was in Jerusalem preaching, they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this not the same guy who was trying to arrest people who was doing exactly what he's doing now? What we see here in the witnessing, and the preaching, in the life of Saul is that he has made a 180 degree change. He has turned around. His life has been radically transformed. He's telling people that Jesus is the Son of God. He's telling people that Jesus is the Messiah. He's not hemming and hawing, he is boldly proclaiming this message where before he was trying to stamp it out. Now, he wants to make sure that others hear about this Jesus. This 180 degree turn is important for us today because for too many people to become a Christian is just joining the church. For too many people to become a Christian, all you have to do is say, you know what, I want to be a Christian. It's just taking on the label or the name Christian. Now, when you came in this morning, those of you that are are on the bandwagon, got your little name tags. You do realize that you can pick up one of these blank name pads, Name tags, and you can put a different name on there than your name. My name's Fred. You can do that. You can. But you do understand that putting a name tag on that says Fred doesn't make you Fred. It makes you a guy wearing a label that people are say, "Why is he saying his name Fred? It's not who he is." Just calling yourself by a different name, right? Go before the judge. Well, I've changed my name, right? It's not really legal to just put on a name tag and say that's that's my new name. But how many people are doing precisely that when it comes to being a Christian? They just put on a label and say that's who I am. There's no change in their life. There's no commitment to Christ. It's just the label that they put on. Now I'm a Christian. What we see in Saul is it wasn't just... Okay, I want to be a a different guy. It was a radical change where his life was altered. What we see with Saul is, he didn't just get up one morning and say, okay, I'm going to start going to church on Sundays. That's it. No. Some people talk a good game about how their life has been changed by Christ, but when we look, we don't see much change. We had a guy in Pathway a number of years ago, and he just kept relapsing, kept relapsing. And every time I'd talk to him about it, he would tell me how strong his faith was and how much he believed in Jesus. And i got to tell you, he said, I'm telling others about Jesus. I looked at him one day and I said, stop! I said, don't tell people about Jesus. Because I said, what's happened in your life is not what we want out there. Because I said, you're giving testimony to the power of Christ even as you're not living the power of Christ. And I said, that gives people the wrong impression. Well, we don't see that problem with Saul, do we? Look at your life. With Saul, there were people that were standing up and saying, man, we see a change. This is not the same guy that we remember. How many people say that about you? How many people see a radical change in your life Because of a commitment to Jesus Christ. And you're living out your faith. Have you been converted today? Or are you just saying you want to be a Christian? But what we see now is this guy who was persecuting the church. Who was trying to stop the message of Christ. We see him now as he goes out trying to spread this message. Preaching the gospel. And what happens? This one who was persecuting Christians now becomes a persecuted Christian. This one who was hunting down Christians so he could arrest them and drag them back to Jerusalem, he now is under the threat of arrest. They're plotting to kill him. This is not some sort of cosmic karma of getting back what you did. This is actually just a natural result of living out your Christian faith. This is what the Bible teaches happens to Christians. People will hate us. The problem is, we've lived without persecution in this country for so long that it seems so strange to us that we actually think it's something that's not supposed to happen. Being a Christian, being committed to Christ will bring persecution in our lives if we are living right. If we are doing what we are supposed to do. They will hate us. The problem is that what we see in American Christianity is that our Christianity is so different from what the New Testament teaches. This goes back to what we talked about a minute ago about joining the church. Many people who are Christians today have done nothing but just join the church. Why are we not persecuted today as Christians? Because we're not living the Christian life in the world. We're just church attenders. Why are we not persecuted for being church attenders? Hold on to your hats. Because the world doesn't care what you do on Sunday mornings. Did you know that? You, when you pulled out of your driveway this morning to come to church, your neighbor sitting up, did you see them? I think they're going to church. Can you believe that? They don't care that you came to church this morning. Because you coming to church means nothing to them. You could have stayed home. You could, It doesn't matter. They've got their own lives. Why is it though that this Saul... As soon as he gets saved, he starts experiencing persecution. But some of us have been in the church for many years and we don't. Why? Well, I can tell you it's not because he was going to church on Sundays. That's not why he was persecuted. What we see in the text is that Saul began to preach that Jesus is the Messiah. To better understand what this meant, drop back to verse 2 in chapter 9. Just go back to the beginning of this chapter. This part of the story is telling us about Saul before he became a Christian. The last part of verse 1 says, Saul went to the high priest asking for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That term, belonging to the way, is significant. Early on in Christianity, that term, the way, became what Christians were known as. Probably before they were even known as Christians, they were known as these people who were following the way. If you look in the text, the way is capitalized. Why? Because that was their name. What way? Belonging to what way? Well, if you think about it, Jesus in John's Gospel in the 14th chapter, he began teaching one day and said, I am what? The way. And so what happens is, Christians get associated with that term. This is not just some belief. This is the way that Jesus taught. And that's what Saul was doing. He was persecuting people who were part of that way. Now how does this relate to the question of persecution and why he began to be persecuted and why we aren't persecuted today? Well, look at what we're preaching. Look at what we preach today compared to what Saul was preaching back then. Too often today, the church is guilty of preaching things other than Jesus is the way. You see, the rest of that verse is just as important. Jesus didn't just say that he was the way. He also said, I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you'll hear people today say, well... You're just being exclusive. You believe that everybody has to become a Christian. To which we say, yeah. (laughs) And there are people today who will criticize us because we believe that Jesus is the only way. Not knowing that Jesus is the one who said he's the only way. And there are people today who actually will tell you that they believe in Jesus, they just don't believe that Jesus is the only way. To which I scratch my head and I say, wait a minute. How do you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe what Jesus taught? Because Jesus is the one who said that he is the only way. Now, let's bring this back to the... Question at hand, why was Saul being persecuted? Why are we not being persecuted? Because how many of us go around and tell people you must be born again? You must be a Christian or you're going to hell. When was the last time you told somebody that if they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they had no hope of eternal life? Right? We don't talk that way. We don't. We will tell people we're Christians. We will tell people we go to church. But we will not look at people and say, listen, unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no hope of eternal life. And that's what Jesus said. That's not my words. That's his words. We don't say that. Why do people not persecute us? Because they don't care what we believe. If you want to believe that's believe whatever you believe, that's fine. But when you start telling people that what we believe has an impact on them, they start getting upset. Oh, oh, so you're saying I'm going to hell, huh? Well, I'm not saying it. But I'm telling you that that's what the Word of God says. I didn't just make this up. If you want to see people get upset, tell them that apart from Jesus Christ, they have no hope. People will become unglued around you. People won't like you when you say that. Now we're starting to get back to the question, to the answer to that question of why we don't talk that way. Because we don't want people not to like us. We don't want people to be mad at us. And so we keep quiet about this message that Jesus is the only way to have eternal life. That's not something that we say just because we want to think that we're better than everyone else. Or that our way is better than everyone else. This is what Jesus taught. And when we preach that way, you will know that people have heard you and understood you when they get mad. Because it's it's part of our nature to believe what we believe and to believe that we're right. And when you start telling people, according to the word of God, you're not right, they're going to get mad. One Anglican priest, a priest I think I told you this a few weeks ago, he, he noted the contrast between the way he's treated today versus how the apostles were treated. He said, how come everywhere they went, they were hated? He said, everywhere I go, they serve tea." Right? When was the last time people didn't want to be around you because you were telling them about Jesus Christ? We see this radical change in Saul's life because he was so adamant about stopping the message of Jesus to being so pro-Jesus he was willing to be persecuted for the message that he had been trying to stop. He wasn't afraid of the consequences. We are not to seek persecution in our lives. What would be the point of that? But we are to be true to the message of Christ and tell people the truth. There's one way to heaven. And if you miss this one way, you have no hope. And the absurdity today is, well, I just don't think that's fair. You ever hear people say that? I don't think that's fair that God says that this is the only way. Really? God could have let us all go to hell and done nothing. But God provides a way, a perfect way, but somehow that's unfair. That He offered hope through Jesus Christ. And because God didn't open up many ways, we're like, well, how dare He? No, He gave us one way perfect way that works and you have a choice you can either accept it or you can reject it but there are consequences for rejecting Christ and when you let people know you can live your life however you want God gives you freedom but God does not give you the freedom to do whatever you want and get away with it that is not our judgment that's what God has said We are to speak loudly and boldly for Christ and let the chips fall where they may. Some people may reject us. Some people will hate us. Oh well. I would rather be hated for speaking the truth and offering people hope in Jesus Christ than to sit silently while people around me go to hell. While I say nothing. What we see next, though, is the sad part in the story. Saul has this wonderful conversion, this 180-degree turn. He stops persecuting the church. He becomes part of the persecuted church. He preaches for Christ. Now look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, When he had come to Jerusalem, Saul attempted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him for they did not believe he was a disciple. He's going out, he's preaching the gospel, he's being persecuted for what he's preaching, and then he comes to Jerusalem, and they won't open the door and let him in. Because they didn't believe that he was truly a Christian. Now, as sad as it might be, as it was, let's not pretend like we don't know why they did that. This is the same guy who was arresting Christians. He was involved in the murder of Stephen. He was trying to get other people arrested and take them back and possibly killed too. If you're trying to arrest Christians, what would be the best way to find Christians? Pretend to be a Christian and infiltrate the church. It's a good strategy. It really is. And the disciples are sitting back and saying, man... We've heard about this guy. We know what he's about. Ananias, the guy that, that first went to Saul when his eyes were still blind, God says, you need to go touch him, heal him, tell him that, that I've got a plan for his life. And Ananias says, I don't think I want to do that. He's, he's, he, he kills Christians. right?" And God says, go. I told you to go. And he did. But even though Ananias had gone and, and had seen this God had spoken to him. The disciples as a whole were like, yeah, I don't know about this. What we see here in the life of Saul is something that we see played out today quite often. And that is a person will get saved, but people around him won't believe it. People might look at that person, eh, I don't know, this, this is a scam. My barber just down the street, he's a friend of, of uh, Hackle who used to run the Macomb Hilton over there in Mount Clemens. The jail. They call it Hackle Hotel. Well, Mark Hackle told my barber, he says, you know, his experience all those years working in the jail, he said, everybody finds Jesus in jail. When I go and do the Bible study at the jail every month, that's one thing I tell them. I said, listen, don't be this, you know, a jailhouse Jesus follower. It doesn't matter what you say in jail because, of course, you found Jesus in jail. What matters is what you do when you get out. And so there's a lot of people who put on the Jesus talk when they're trying to get out of trouble, when they're locked up. And so, somebody who might have a genuine conversion, they come back to their family, their family, I'm not buying it. But, let's be honest, how many of us have had doubts when somebody claims to be a Christian? Not by looking at their life, just by looking at who they used to be, and I don't know. We're skeptical at times. Chuck Colson was just an individual like that. He was involved with Nixon and Watergate in the 70s. He was actually convicted and sentenced to prison because of his role in Watergate. But while he was in prison, he became a Christian. There were people, though, who doubted this guy who'd been so ruthless as a politician, as a politician's aide, that he really became a Christian. But he devoted the rest of his life to witnessing for Christ, to being a a defender of the faith, to ministering to people in prison. Our Angel Tree program that we do every year is an outgrowth of his ministry. Chuck Colson. People didn't believe it. People might not believe that you're a Christian. People might doubt whether you've truly been saved. In this sad experience, you can see this picture I have in my mind of Saul knocking on the church door and they're all on the side. Don't open the door. Don't let him in. Look at verse 27. In verse 27 of Acts chapter 9, we're told Barnabas took Saul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road Saul had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. This guy Barnabas has already been introduced to us back in chapter 4 as a generous believer who had a field and he sold the field and he gave the proceeds to help the poor. Now we see this Barnabas stand up for Saul when nobody else would give him the benefit of the doubt, when nobody else would believe him, Barnabas says, you come with me. And when they opened the door for Barnabas, Barnabas says, he's coming in with him. And he stood up for Saul. He vouched for him and said, I'm telling you, he's the real deal. A few weeks ago, we talked about how we are to be seeds that God sows in our world. The gospel to be carried by us, into the different parts of our community of where we work and live. Today, though, I want you to see that we're not just to be seeds, we're also to be bridges. Bridges between a lost world and Jesus Christ. You see, there are people who know they need something, they just don't know what. It's not enough for us just to Run up, shove a Bible in their hand, tell them they need Jesus, and then run away. We need to be more like Barnabas. Making it easier for people to come into the church and to feel accepted in the body of Christ. People, you know what I'm talking about here. You've been in places where you've walked in and you didn't know anybody. And everybody's talking amongst themselves. Everybody's having a good time. And you're sitting there, the odd man out, all by yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Nobody likes it. You never hear people say, Oh, I went to this church. It was wonderful. No one talked to me. I was so worried that they would be nice and friendly. But they weren't. They just left me alone. No, People are looking to be loved and accepted to feel like they belong. And too often, we're like the disciples here. If somebody comes in and we want to keep them at arm's distance, check them out. Make sure they're the real deal. Right? Thank God for Barnabas, who was willing to stand up for Saul. Remember what I told you last week? That Saul was instrumental. And getting the gospel to go west where it came to us. What if Barnabas hadn't stood up for him? What if Barnabas says, well, I don't, I don't want people to think I'm associated with this bad guy. What if he'd kept quiet? People today will not keep coming to church if they don't feel like the door's open. Now, let's get really personal. Just walking up to somebody, hi, how are you today? Hi, how are you today? Doing that is friendly, but that doesn't make people feel welcome. I'm a people watcher. I go to the store and Trish can tell you, I, I, I am not the most patient guy in the world. I'm not. And when I'm standing, I, I'm, I'm the guy that moves into, you know, three different lanes back and forth trying to, right? i'm the guy that was honking in the drive through at mcdonald's this morning hurry up i was literally i was, I was come on at some point it's no longer fast food okay but i watch as i'm in the line and the checker they always do that they finish with the one person thank you have a good day and they look hi how are you today right And then the next person comes, hi, how are you today? And they keep doing that. But when I get up there, I'm like, you don't care. You just said that to six other people. You're just saying that because that's what they tell you to say. Right? And so when the pastor stands up and says, greet those around you, and you run around and say, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Okay? You're not being anything but friendly because you're told to be. That's not going to make people want to come back. You need to sit down beside people. Where do you live? What do you do? Why are you here? Okay. Not in a rude way like I do. I meet people at the door and I say, who are you and why are you in my church? And they come back anyway. I don't know why. But you sit down with people and you... Listen, don't tell people that we have coffee and donuts after church. Don't say, come on, let's go get a cup of coffee. And go with them. Don't point them to Fellowship Hall. Say, come with me. I'll get you a cup of coffee. And sit down with them and talk to them. Most people want to talk about their story. They want to know that people care. And that's what Barnabas does here. Is he opens the door and he sticks his neck out. And he stands up for Saul. He says, come on in. We want you here. We are to be bridges in our community. Helping people to know that we're not just telling them that they need Jesus Christ. We want to help them find Jesus Christ. And we want them to know we believe in them. How many times are we guilty of telling people that they can have a new life, they can be saved in Jesus Christ, they make a commitment and say, yeah, I don't know if that's real. You just preached and told them they can have a new life in Christ. We ought to be right there supporting them and encouraging them and believing in them. If it's not real, we'll find out. But we don't need to be skeptical on the front end. We need to believe in in the power of God. A number of years ago, there was a big political brouhaha in this country. Remember about some money that was going to Alaska for a bridge? Remember this? You know what the bridge was, was known as? The bridge to nowhere. And people started asking, they say, why are we spending all this federal money to build a bridge that nobody's going to use? People, we're not talking about building a bridge to nowhere. We're talking about building a bridge To eternal life. To a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is there anything more important that we could do in life? The point is we need to break out of our comfort zone. And reach out and touch people's lives in meaningful ways. Not just being friendly people. But getting involved and saying, listen. I want you to know about Jesus Christ. Because I love you. And I want you to find the life that I found. In Jesus Christ. That's what being a Christian is about. Jesus became a bridge. Between us and the Father. Now it's our job. To get out there. And to be a bridge. Between our world. And Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God we're thankful this morning. For the fact that you sent Jesus. To be a bridge. So that we might have a relationship with you. And God, I pray that this church, that we would break out of our comfort zone. That we would stop hiding behind doors that say welcome over them. And whoever comes in, that's fine, but we're not going to go out and get them. God, cause us to want to be a bridge. That our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors would see That we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. And we want them to find life in Christ before it's too late. Help them to see the love in us. The compassion. The concern. That we're not just preaching at them. But we're offering them hope. Through the one who gave us life. God, help us to become those bridges. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.